0: This is the Tortoise. The podcast about the possibilities of a slow wind. Can you stop doing that?
1: That's your host, Brooke McCallery. And this is the co-host, Benjamin McCallery. Hello, Benjamin. G'day. How are you? Good. For a very sunny Wednesday in the Southern Highlands, in mm-hmm. New South Wales—absolutely mm-hmm. glorious. It really this is this time of year.
0: Yep. So we're in the transition between s- uh, winter and spring, we're giving you a little topical. bit of
1: a little bit away uh, of our topic for this month's podcast. I Pl- do love oh. podcast.
0: Nearly, <sighs> nearly. Goodness me! Uh, I do love this time of year, though, especially when it's as sunny as it is. Just. You already said it. Glorious.
1: Really is. It's sensational.
0: The dogs agree that it's glorious. They're currently camped out in the sunny spots next to us. So if you hear any uh, grunting or barking, that's definitely not us.
1: (laughs) We will admit it when when it's us.
0: (laughs) All right, come on. (laughs) I know this is a podcast, but that's ridiculous. Let's get into it. So today we are talking seasons or rather seasonal living, Mm. which is a concept that's very closely related, I think, to slow living and often comes up in the same spaces, you know, uh, and the way I would describe it is essentially learning to live in pace with the seasons around us, you know, and everything that that entails, allowing kind of that connection to the rhythm of the world um to help us i guess drive our actions and choices and behaviours and the benefits of like attached to that so that's sort of what seasonal living i think is
1: which is a totally new concept for me Oh really I've got to say never heard of it when you said this will be a good topic I'll be like okay not sure how that's going to work because I don't understand it but I've done a little and a little emphasis on a little bit of reading on it and we've had a few preliminary discussions on it. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Has okay. really interested me in the concept. Because yes, like seasons, we are all aware of the four seasons of the year. Mm-hmm. But I had depending no... where
0: you live, I suppose. But
1: yeah. yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I got a. Here's an observation: mm-hmm. when you don't get four seasons in a year, does that mean that you're then missing out on? The other seasons, as they relate to your life,
0: I don't know. Do you understand what yeah, I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, sure. So if you if you live somewhere that has, you know, LA for
1: example. Oh, was, oh, okay. That was weird that you went semi-tropical and I went LA. Okay.
0: Yeah. I would say that LA probably has seasons. I mean, they're not like they're, it's either
1: hot or it's not in LA. Okay. Never rains.
0: I think that's none of that's true.
1: Really? (laughs) Well, if someone that's spent a total of two two weeks of their life in LA... Oh, sorry,
0: you are an expert. I I didn't realise that. Sorry. (laughs) Talk to me about the microclimate of Disneyland. (laughs) The sun is always shining. It is never anything but delightful. (laughs) But I understand your point. So let's say you know, people who live closer to the equator, right? So you don't get a huge difference. Mm -hmm. You know, you might have Mm -hmm. a dry season and a wet season, but temperatures roughly stay the same. I don't know. Like I don't, and I don't know, like let's say you've grown up there and that's what your internal body clock is used to. Would you know that there was something else? Probably not. You know, whereas here in the Highlands anyway, we get four distinct seasons, I would say.
1: Probably the first place I've ever lived that has had really distinct seasons. In Australia. In Australia, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Which is part of the reason that we actually moved here. Mm. Uh, you know, and I think parts of other parts of Australia probably don't get the full gamut of seasons. So I don't know. Yeah. But I think that there is something innate in us that is cyclical, whether or not it's attached to seasons, where there are times of growth and you know abundance and then there are times of rest and turning inward and hibernation almost and mm. for lots of people that is you know winter versus summer and spring versus autumn but I don't know if anyone's listening who lives in a place like LA that doesn't get seasons <laughs> <laughs> please let us know or you know somewhere that actually doesn't get the four seasons um, let us know because I, I am genuinely curious about the difference Me too. Yeah. Really, really interested. But also, I mean, so that's one element of seasonal living that I wanted to talk about because it is so directly related, I think, to slow living. But there's also other ways that I view the idea of seasonal living that I wanted to talk about today as well. So more like personal seasons and then also seasons of life, because that's been top of mind for both of us. I think recently we've talked about it quite a lot how there is a definite rhythm to life and i think it's top of mind for both of us because we're in a transition between the season of life of looking after young children and being you know in that young to like young adulthood and everything that that brings and we're shifting into midlife and that looks entirely different and feels entirely different and that transition is tricky I'm going to say, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say that lots of people would find it tricky.
1: Uh, yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah. With that. So anyway,
0: we'll come back to that, but I just wanted to flag that when we're talking seasonal living, it's not only calendar stuff. Mm. Yeah.
1: Mm. Can I share a short story real quick? Please. Sources in the episode description for this, but a king had four sons. To teach them an important lesson, he decided to ask them to visit a cherry tree in the deep forest of their kingdom. During the peak winter, he asked his eldest son to go and see the tree and write a description of the tree. The prince came back and told that the tree is barren, old and hopeless. Not even birds are coming near the tree. It looks useless and maybe it's better cut down and used for firewood. During the middle of the spring, the king asked his second son to visit the tree and write a description. This prince came back and told that the tree is not barren, rather it's full of beautiful cherry blossoms and looks young and promising. The tree is surrounded by butterflies and bees who are enjoying its flowers. Then in the summer, the king sent his third son to go and see the tree. When the prince returned, he told that there are no blossoms, rather The trees loaded up with delicious cherries and looked mature and valuable with many birds living in the tree and enjoying the fruits. Finally, in autumn, the king asked his youngest son to visit the tree and bring back a description. The prince returned and described that the tree now has no fruit or flowers, as his brothers described, but it looks beautiful with its coloured leaves with lovely shades of gold, red and orange. It looks like an ideal object for a painting. The wise kid then, the wise kid, the wise king asked his sons, so what did you learn from this experience? And the other three princes, as the other three princesses, (laughs) (laughs) leaving this in because I can't (laughs) even read. The other three princes were still thinking when the youngest shared his understanding. Like the tree, we experience different seasons of life and we're greatly affected by them. We should not judge our life based on only the current season in our life. Every season has a purpose. No matter whatever the current season is, it will change again.
0: Hmm.
1: I thought that was a really nice way of just framing this discussion up.
0: Absolutely. I really
1: really got a lot out of that.
0: What did you get out of it?
1: Uh, Well... Coming from being very naive about it, Mm -hmm, let's be honest, mm -hmm. like I was very naive about how, um, you know, not only I just didn't think there were like seasons in life. I thought there was like youth, middle age and your golden years Mm -hmm. was how I would have uh, related to like the seasons of life, that that sort of label Mm -hmm. because – I think that's the way society is set up. Yeah. It's either you're young, you're middle age where you're burdened and with debt and responsibility Mm -hmm. and bringing up kids and all the rest of it, and then you're in the golden ages where you are supposed to be enjoying the fruits of your career and retiring and... All that sort of thing, but uh, I, I think as a, I really like the seasons of life a lot better than than that. Um, yeah. Way of thinking about it.
0: Well, I think society on the whole is youth oriented, right? So,
1: hmm.
0: um, we're kind of made to think that anything other than that youth youthful season is like a slow decline into yeah. decrepitude, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's just not. No. It's just not. No. Uh, but also I like this, what I like about the story that you just shared was that if you're viewing it as more of the, you know, annual or cyclical nature of life rather than life as a whole, mm-hmm. the assurance that whatever season you love the most, whatever you find the most beautiful will return. Yeah. And I think that's also really nice to remember because there is going to be seasons in life, like literal seasons, that you don't love as much as others or that you don't feel as comfortable in as others, but they're still important. Yeah, And I think recognizing that is really important and then also recognizing that through the lens of life as a whole is important because there's going to be seasons in life that you are better suited to and adaptable towards than others, you know, and I immediately thought about when our kids were little. I don't think that raising toddlers was like in my wheelhouse necessarily. I did it and I embraced it for what it was, but it's kind of nice to be reminded that things will pass. Yeah. For two reasons. One, because if it's not your favorite kind of experience, it will pass. You'll, something new will arrive, but it's also a really helpful reminder that things will pass. So enjoy it for what it is. You know, and I think that that's sort of double, like two sides yeah. of the same coin. Yeah. Embrace it, enjoy it, but also understand that if it's not your thing, it will pass.
1: Yeah, yeah. So what I, just reflecting on it a little bit more, what I really liked about it, and I don't want to get too religious or philosophical, philosophical about mm-hmm. it, is, and I was looking at it as as in life. As a whole, not just like a yearly thing, yearly seasonal thing. Uh, for me and being brought up in like Western society and culture, mm. it's very much a beginning and end mm-hmm. to your life. Mm-hmm. What I liked about this is it is it's it's it kind of reflects on like it's seasonal. like mm-hmm. your whole life is seasonal. and I was like, oh, how does that work? Based on my beliefs and values, and it's whatever the afterlife is like. That's a transition to a rebirth of, of I'm not sure, but I like. I just liked believing in that mm-hmm. um, more so than having a beginning and end.
0: Yeah, takes some of the fear away too, right? Totally. And yeah,
1: and for a, a burdened middle-aged man. <laughs>
0: So before we get too much into the Seasons of Life stuff, I just want to talk more practically about, you know, calendar-based seasonal living um, or I suppose weather-based seasonal living uh, and and what that can actually look like. Because for a lot of people, one of the first ways that they embrace seasonal living is via food. Mm. And I think...
1: That's where we started our conversation on this, I'm pretty sure.
0: Probably. Yeah. 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 So that's really just about recognizing where you live, finding out what is in season, finding out what, you know, what of the produce at the supermarket or at the farmer's market is current um, and basing, you know, your food choices around that to a certain extent. It's not easy, um, but I think even just experimenting with that, uh, for people who live in Australia, the Guardian has a monthly... I'll link to it in the show notes, but The Guardian has a monthly um, post that they share telling you what is in season now at supermarkets. Um, And usually that means what tastes best, what is the cheapest, um, what is the, it has a smaller, you know, carbon footprint because it has had to travel far fewer kilometres. It hasn't had to sit in cold storage for months. Uh, And I find that a really helpful thing to read every month just to keep my eye on. What's, you know, what's at the markets? What's in the supermarket? Um, what might be the most nutritionally dense food that we can buy? And then cooking something with, you know, those ingredients during the week. Um, and it seems so silly, but it feels quite connected to the seasonal nature of of food. And I granted, it is much easier for us to do that here in Australia, where locally grown produce is always available. Mm. I know some parts of the world that's not going to be the case, but even then it can be about, you know, looking at preserving things and using those those frozen veggies over winter or, uh, you know, if you preserve some of your food or if you enjoy baking particular things, including those sorts of um, seasonal kind of practices. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's one really practical like lovely way of tapping into the rhythms around us. Doubly so if you have a garden or if you have a few pots on your balcony um, or in a sunny windowsill in your in your place, just seeing when things germinate and, you know, how quickly they grow or if they thrive or if they don't and if they respond well to the sun, like longer days or shorter days. That is another way, I think, of, of just paying attention to what's changing because it's always changing like the days are either always getting shorter or longer so true but we don't necessarily pay attention to it no you know and I think that doing that allows us to then pay attention to how we feel in those changes as well and embrace it Mm. and um, embrace it for what it is I think and I know people talk a lot about winter as being a time for like hibernation and going inwards and
1: Self-reflection. Yeah. yeah, and, you know,
0: um, quietness and sort of, if you think about a garden. Grief,
1: sadness. Right, well, exactly, yeah. and
0: decay and loss, and they're all things yeah. that that apply in winter, and it's sort of shedding those or giving yourself time to recalibrate and then in spring you're going to shed those layers and and emerge as something else. And I think that can be attached to the weather. It doesn't have to be. You know, something we kind of toil towards like completely alone. Mm. Yeah. I think the
1: the way that I've always and obviously interacted with the seasons and what you were talking about is when I wake up, uh, the light and how that changes mm-hmm. over a period of time. Yep. That's like... Very obvious, but that's the way that I've always interacted. Very base level, or you know, when you, you might be in an office and you leave the office, and sometimes it's dark, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, hey, it's it's light now. Like it, that's yeah. Um, again, very naive, but there's so many other ways that
0: I don't think it's naive though. Like, do you get a, do you feel a certain way when you recognize those changes?
1: Briefly. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like what? How do you feel?
1: Oh, I don't have to turn the lights on in my car <laughs> when I'm driving.
0: No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, do you? Because I, when I recognize that, you know, same thing. When I wake up and it's light, and a few weeks ago it was dark, I get a little thrill because I know that the days are getting longer, and that means that spring's coming. Like, do you? Do you ever take it to? That's that place where you have an emotional response.
1: Probably a little bit, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then Daylight Saving comes around and says, so I'm going to throw a spanner in the works.
0: (laughs) But even, I mean, even Daylight Saving's arriving feels like a marker in time. yeah, it does. You know, and and spring is well and truly established and summer's on the way and I always feel a little bit thrilled by that. So something as simple as that, but Mm. also, you know, Little, little tiny rituals like cutting flowers and putting them in a vase in the house, over the year those flowers are going to be different and just using that as a way of marking the passage of time and, you know, nature doing her thing um, because, you know, this time of year most things are still dormant under the ground but we've got the daffodils and that always feels like a moment in the year when I've got daffodils cut in a vase on the table. Uh, I repotted all of the indoor plants on the weekend because plants started showing signs of growth. So mm. that's always, you know, and I think those those little markers in time can be lovely rituals to sort of welcome in whatever new season is, is coming. And at its core, that's all slow, right? That's all, it's just paying attention
1: mm.
0: and then living according to what we see.
1: What's your favourite season and why?
0: It's um, a really good question. I like the hope of spring, like the, the energy of spring. I, re- I really love it. You know, everything starts to, everything that you've done in the previous six months can start to come to fruition in spring and I do like that. I love summer because summer is Christmas and the long school break for the kids and we usually are able to get a couple of weeks off together. So I do love summer and then I love autumn. I love all the seasons. I also love winter because I get very excited when the beginning of winter comes. The idea of like turning inwards and lighting the fire and Mm. you know, closing the house up early and but then by the end of winter, I'm very ready for it to not be winter anymore. So it's sort of, I don't know, what's yours? <laughs> that was a non-answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's
1: too hard a thing to, uh, like right now, I think summer is my favourite yep. season.
0: Is that because you're just desperate for it though? Yeah. Mm.
1: Like so when really we were living in Canada, to it. Yeah.
0: winter was yeah. your favourite season.
1: But it's so funny. I think I'm at total opposites. In my, in my life, if I was looking at the seasons over a year and comparing the weather to my life seasons, my summer is the winter. What? What does that mean? <laughs> that is so ridiculous what I just said. But bear with me. I will explain. Please. Thinking about, I guess, the emotions of... And and feelings of seasons, yeah, as they relate to your personal growth or personal, like your person, like mm-hmm. your how you're feeling. Mm. So I would I would associate winter with you know sadness. Okay. Uh, uh, um, like you're saying, like um, locking down, being uh, more. Uh, like, In, inwardly focused, sure. um, reflective, mm-hmm. inward like, you know, like kind of, yeah, you're just sort of drawn inwards mm-hmm. over that time. Spring, hope, new possibilities, opportunities, all the rest of it, new beginnings. Summer, like growth, but also an abundance of distractions, mm-hmm. things to do, all that sort of stuff. And then fall is all about uh acknowledging like success and your achievements and prepare like preparation and all that sort of stuff
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: personally that's a huge time for me to be reflective yeah inwardly focused okay i get you because it is like slow like things slow down over summer like you said the kids are on holidays a lot of like businesses are closed for a month Mm -hmm. um yeah, so that's that's my winter, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and it's, it is interesting, I think, because being in the Southern Hemisphere, we've flipped. So we have absorbed the conversations around like Northern Hemisphere, um, you know, rhythms and things, and we've kind of got a bit of a hybrid, I think. Do
1: you think so? Yeah, maybe. Do you think it's that, that influence? Maybe, that, because, wow. I mean,
0: I know that, for everyone, the new year reflect is, is a time to reflect and to think about the year ahead. Uh, and I feel like if you live in a colder climate, um, that makes sense, right? Mm. Because you're in that reflective, close kind of mode. And here we also do it because it is New Year, but it feels at odds with you know the mm. the, the the season. Yeah, I understand what you what you mean.
1: But then. I'm, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like summer here in in Australia, December, January, February. I do a lot of like reflection on you know what success and failure yeah. look like because you look at like the new year as hope, like you know hopeful, and what are your goals? And so I, I don't know. Can you have four seasons in one day?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: In terms of your <laughs> life and personal.
0: I mean, yes, I was just going to make a joke about like a crowded house song, but. Yeah,
1: me too. <laughs> I was going to sing, but I didn't.
0: You can. Um, but yes, you absolutely can. I think that's what, you know, setting aside a day for self-reflection can be. It's really taking yourself through all of those questions mm. and you're doing it through like in a space of quietness and, you know, inward lookingness. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's a maybe there's a retreat in that or something. I, uh... I
1: really think there is. Uh, the more that I read about this stuff, the more that I I really uh, am drawn to it.
0: Hmm. I feel like you're having a bit of a renaissance.
1: Renaissance.
0: I do. I feel like you're having some. It's probably transition. You know. From... This is.
1: I'm in my autumn. Like right now, I'm, I'm ordering, I'm autumning it up.
0: Okay. Just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to throw a couple, of, I'm going to throw the seasons at you and I want you to give me a word that sums them up. Okay. Winter. Rest. Yeah, I would have said hunkering. Mm hmm. Spring,
1: opportunity.
0: Ooh, okay, growth. Summer. Act. Oh, mine was going to be active. Yeah, okay. Okay. And autumn.
1: This one's the hardest one for me. Mm -hmm. Reflective.
0: Okay. So like reaping or harvesting.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: And I think that like as... I think as much as anything, just noticing that shift is like that is seasonal living, you know. And I know there are many people who write about it in depth, and they have such incredible insights. Um, and I actually will link to a few blogs and stacks that go into seasonal living because there is a vast amount that you can do through this lens of seasonal living uh, in a practical sense, and I admire that and.
1: Yeah, I need to do more. We're probably sounding so naive about all this yep, stuff. No, no
0: doubt, no doubt. Yeah. But I, I just think that through the, the idea of slow living, which to me is noticing and, you know, paying attention and and relishing in what you see and using that to drive the decisions that you make, just paying attention to the seasons and the shift in how we feel and operate is is so important and allows us to connect to something far greater than ourselves. And maybe that's it. Maybe that is the... The umbrella of Mm. of all of that, you know, with, in terms of slow living, it's just another way to connect with what's happening outside of us, you know, because when we're very siloed and we're very busy and heads are down and, you know, screens are on and we kind of forget that we're not machines, we, we forget that we need that seasonality as well. And I think that it's inbuilt in us. So, I think that's probably my favorite part of this idea is simply connecting to something far greater.
1: Yep, I like that. Yeah. Yep.
0: <coughs> so, I think there's also internal seasons. Like, you know, obviously, people who menstruate have menstrual cycles, and that is an inbuilt understanding of the cyclical nature of things. And I think that for me, it's really only been the last few years that I've ever really paid any attention to it, but it is genuinely such a blessing, such a gift to be able to reflect on life that way and on it's sort of a microcosm of, of seasons, right, because, ev- you know, every week or so my energy and my outlook and everything shifts completely. So four seasons in a month. Yeah. So if you look this at the my, way. This is in my mind. Four seasons in a day. Yep.
1: Yep. Four seasons in a minute. Yep. Why not? Sure. Or an hour. Go for it. And then four seasons every second. <laughs>
0: yep. Yeah,
1: totally. I used to be a huge, I'm completely sorry for interrupting you, but a huge fan of The Power of Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always thought that like, th- you know. The Holy Trinity or whatever you want to call it. The Power of Three. Like I I ran a lot of, even my writing is a lot of Power of Three. Yes, I do remember. Uh, It is now four seasons. Okay. I've developed another prong.
0: (laughs) That can happen sometimes. (laughs)
1: Sorry. <laughs> My gosh. Um, okay. You were saying? Go back to menstruation, sorry. Okay, yep, yeah,
0: that's what I was saying. I just think that that is something. It's a it's a lens that I am so glad exists for me to look at the world through. So recognising that there is a pattern to the way that I feel and it's not all random and it's not all... Um, needless kind of recognizing that it all is for a reason going back to your story of the king and his four sons like there is a reason for each of them has been so helpful and empowering to me i mean i'm not saying i love all of it and there are definite seasons of my cycle that are not my favorite (laughs) like they're not my area of comfort but they exist for a reason and recognizing that has been really empowering and i think that you know, there's lots of things in life that you can view similarly. So if you've got kids, you can view um, like their school year seasonally or cyclically. And that helps enormously because, you know, you're going to have the beginning of the year and it's it's build up and it's um, all very enthusiastic and getting to know new places and people. And then you settle into kind of the the grind, like the middle of the year where it's, it's we're just doing a thing and it, we're settled and we're solid in that. And then the holidays come and everything ramps up and, you know, it feels like this frenzy of activity and after that you get a rest. And even just viewing viewing that as a cycle is very helpful and, again, helps me um, to understand why things feel different throughout mm. the year in that way. Mm-hmm. Work is is probably the same for a lot of people. I'm sure, you know, you're in a job for a while, you understand that you're going to have busy seasons and not as busy seasons, and you do. And it's, it's an opportunity to create space around those busy seasons and to prepare ahead of them when possible. And um, it just, I think, gives another element to making, you know, making choices that are going to serve you well over time. And in that sense, it's slow. You know, it's not. We're not talking immediate stuff. We're not talking instant decisions and instant changes. We're talking about looking at at things through the like mid-term, like middle-range length. Yeah,
1: (laughs) you know, I know what you
0: mean. Rather than day to day or week to week. Does that resonate with you? Like, do you view your Months, your quarters, your years, like that, or not?
1: I will now. <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't want to talk because out my
0: backside. As, you know, I I'm in a very lucky position that on the whole I can structure my work in a cyclical sense. Um, and I know not everyone can do that. So, in in your experience, for, yeah. is that realistic?
1: For me, for me, it's not so much. I feel like you've got a power over your seasons, it sounds like. Yeah. I don't feel like I've got any control over sure, s- I- my, my personal seasons. But what I do know is I can control my actions within those seasons. Right. And so I need to acknowledge that each season will exist, just like it is with the weather, like each season will come and go and you have to live throughout that period mm-hmm. but it's my actions and the way that I set myself up during those seasons which will mean the difference between yes, I've I've gone through and and have rather than trying to like mold a season yeah. it, the seasons happened and and my actions have been part of that season and I'm yep. able to, you know, experience for that that season for what it is. So I can, you know, I don't like, for example, you know, I don't particularly like summer for you know, as a season where I am in my life. But that's just where 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 it is at the moment. That's the cylindrical, cyclical, cyclical part of of where I am at the moment. And there's no point in trying to physically try and.
0: Make it not that correct. Yeah, but that, I think that's that's probably the more the point that I was making. There are things that you can do. There are things that we you know can do to prepare ahead of those times, and that's that's what's in our control. We can't control the weather, obviously. We can't control the seasons coming and going. You can't control workload. You can't control when clients need things by, um, but you can control what you do ahead of that time mm. and how you respond within that time. Correct. To a certain extent, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting, and I, I don't think that's dissimilar to what I was saying. Mm. That I just have way more flexibility than most people, which I am very aware of. I know I, I want to talk about seasons of life. So rather than recurring seasons. More so, you know, almost what you were getting at before, but
1: I'm trying to okay, I'm gonna push back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't think seasons of life the more that I read about it, it's it's not, not so much the seasons of life because I think it's the seasons that make up your life almost. Like you don't start in spring, then you go to summer, then there's autumn. Then there's winter in your life.
0: But that's what people that that is one way of thinking about it.
1: Yeah, so I I'm gonna disagree with that.
0: Okay. So I think you can
1: have each what I was trying to refer to before is you can have each of those seasons in one hour of your life.
0: Yeah, but I mean I think looking back, do you not see that like
1: what I'm trying to say <laughs> is I never want to grow old.
0: Okay. Well that's <laughs> that sounds like something that you need to work out. <laughs> But I do think people are afraid of that. Yes, so kind of taking your point, finding the beauty and the reasons for each of them to me helps alleviate the fear that comes with it. So, uh, with there's a, there's archetypes that that are often spoken about with women, you know, through story and things, uh, and people have taken these archetypes and applied them to women's lives. And you've got the maiden, so. You know, young adulthood. Mm -hmm. And then you have the wild woman. So, you know, you're in your 20s and you're finding out who you are and you're exploring, expanding, and experimenting. Then you have the nurturer, someone who's caring for people, whether it's children or, you know, other people. And then you transition into the wise woman. Mm. And the wise woman or the crone um, is someone who knows what life is about and is in a position to impart that wisdom and you can't become a wise woman without doing all of the other things you can't then help people coming behind you imparting what you know and probably having most of what you know and say ignored but that's part of the you know part of the territory you you can't help them unless you transition into old age or into that wisdom and for me that feels empowering mm. You know, so for so long, I think the idea of like a woman being a crone was a horrible thing. You were a witch, you were a hag, you were, um, but I kind of love it. I sort of love the idea of, of shifting. I'm not ready for it yet, but shifting into that, the golden years, as you said, and bringing with it stuff to share and stories to tell and things that I have done. Mm. And it's really an invitation to live the rest of the seasons in fullness because that's going to help you, you know, in your wise years. Does that at all alleviate the fear? Because I see in I like, you this resistance yeah, of like, no, I
1: like. I like that you're embracing your, your crone. Thanks. Um, I totally get what you're saying. I am not there yet, though.
0: I'm not there. I'm definitely not there. I'm
1: not even there in acknowledging it. Sure. I get what you're saying. I'd like to think that way, Mm -hmm. but I just don't at the moment.
0: So I Because
1: right this second I'm in spring.
0: Okay. Well, you are. You're literally sitting in spring, and that's fine. I looked to see if there was something similar for men. Oh, yeah. If there was, you know, these archetypes. And there are, but they don't seem to attach particularly to ages or stages in life. Um, I didn't, to be fair, I didn't look into it super closely. Um, but I did find this article on the art of manliness, which I will link yep. to the to in the show notes, that talks, I think it might have been a, a psychologist or someone um, quite some decades back who looked at... Hundreds of men and the way their lives unfold. And while the specifics of every person are very different, he found that there are really quite um, strictly like apparent seasons in a man's life. He doesn't call them seasons, but he calls them sort of eras. And it goes from adolescence through to young adulthood into mid at midlife. And then into late adulthood and late life. And they last for maybe 10 years ish each. Um, But what I found really interesting was that he specifically highlighted what he called liminal states in between and these transitions. And I think that that's what has been so interesting to me about this whole conversation around seasons and, you know, eras or whatever you want to call them. Because transitions are really tricky. Transitions are really uncomfortable and when you're looking at a life transition and I can certainly reflect back on and see a life transition similar for myself of maybe five years between young adulthood and young parenthood, you know, and you're really entering the adult world and there's sort of five years there where it's it's this coming and going, you know, you you do grow, you, you grow and then you regress and you grow and regress and you learn and you forget and you learn and you forget And it's in that transition time that this particular, um, psychologist suggests that that's where we need to first look back, look where we've come from, what we've prioritized in our lives, um, you know, what values we're living, whether they still resonate and then look forward and ask the Mm. question of who we want to be. Mm. And at no point in my life was that ever spelled out, you know, that you're in a transition and transitions are hard. But the more you resist it, the more stuck you're going to get. Yeah. Does that relate to you? Like, because according to this guy's chart, like we're solidly in a transition, you and I. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. We're From in 40 that liminal, to 45.
1: liminal state. And he puts a like ages. ages on it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And he said, so it's not <clears> about <throat> the specifics. It's not like at age 28, the average man gets married and at age 32, they have their first child. Like it's not mm. that. He said the specifics look very different and, um, generationally they're kind of pushing back year on year, but the, the shifts emotionally and psychological, psychologically seem to still happen in this space. And yeah, according to him, those transitions can take up to five years. Is that like, do you feel like you're in a transition at the moment?
1: I do. Yes, I do. Mm Mm-hmm. To be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I'm in that liminal state. The only, like, archetypes that I've heard of before mm. when I've worked on, like, healthy masculinity and mm-hmm. all those sorts of things that I've done is the four arch- archetypes of the lover, the warrior, the king, the magician. Mm-hmm. And there's an awesome book that I'm not going to – Know the name of that I read a little bit of, and I wish I could go back and read it all. Okay. On those archetypes, so I look. I don't. I don't. I get what you're saying. Like I, I totally get where you're, where you are. But I guess my my personality is I want to buck trends. Mm. I want to be the rebel and and not. If it's thirty five to forty five and it's transitioned then. I'm not going to be in that state during that time. Isn't that awful to say? But that's just who I am.
0: I mean, yes, I think you are someone who rebels against, you know, um, like standard wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the term I was looking for, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Conventional wisdom. There we go. You're not a fan of fitting any particular box, uh, which I love about you. But I also wonder whether your resistance to even having the conversation is part of your transition. Like, oh, definitely. Right.
1: Yeah, you smashed it. Yeah, exactly right.
0: And I, like, I get it. I yeah. completely get it. And I'm sure there's been many times that that has been me, where I don't want to know about it because mm. it's deeply uncomfortable. And you know, as you, as we get older into our forties, you do start thinking about getting older, and that's not. It's not something that we are role modeled in a way to do in a healthy way. Like there's, there's virtually no one talking about getting older in a healthy way that I've come across, you know, um, that isn't trying to turn back the clock. Yeah. Um, so it's not something that feels aspirational maybe. So I think I'm probably more roundly practiced at like self-reflection, you know. I have navel-gazed for many years, (laughs) as you would be aware. So, you know, the, the, the idea of going through those questions of values and priorities and feeling... I don't know. Empowered to to look deeply into my choices, and then looking forward and asking myself like, "What's next?" That feels like more of a natural place for me to to visit. Is that something that you have done before, or would ever consider doing? This is not a trick question. I'm just curious.
1: <laughs> feels loaded somehow. It's not loaded. <laughs> um. Yes, I've heard it before. Like we've spoken about it before. I don't think I've ever put it into practice mm-hmm. until maybe recently, where I've begun that process. Mm-hmm. But again, like the rebel in me is like, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do it my way and on my terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I know how successful your way has been, and and a lot of people have benefited from it. This is not a go at you, by the way. No, I like this is just me like working through it. Everyone's at different own, at my own pace. I completely yeah. understand.
0: Everyone's different. Everyone's going to going to find a path that suits them. That's yeah, absolutely, the case.
1: Yeah, and I know that I don't know makes you doubt. Like, uh, it probably stresses you out a little bit that, that I can't. Would that be right? That I wouldn't do it like the way that you've done it?
0: Um, no, I I don't think because
1: we're all vibrating on different levels, frequencies, frequencies. Yeah, that's you. true.
0: We and um, we are, and that's life is is learning how to exist next to each other um, when we're vibrating at different frequencies. Basically, it do, no. It doesn't stress me out that you wouldn't do things the way I do them. Like I'm not that. It
1: must like, not stress you out is the wrong word. It Mm -hmm. must be frustrating.
0: It's only frustrating if I see you struggling and I'm like, there is this entire toolkit over here that I have spoken about for many years and you are more than welcome to crack the lid and pull one out and give it a shot. Like that's frustrating, but that's frustrating. It's frustrating watching someone you love struggle no matter what. If it's your kids, if it's, you know, a mate, if it's your spouse, it, like if it's a sibling, it's frustrating because we see things differently. That's all. It's not a judgment mm. thing. It's mm. like a either I've been through something and I can relate to you but there's no point in telling you that because no one wants to hear that necessarily when they're going through something. They just want to be seen and heard as they are.
1: This is like a question that I know you get a lot uh, from from listeners in that they might go through this personal reflection and then it's how do I get my partner to do it? Yeah. So I'm just wondering, like, is this a gender thing?
0: I'm always kind of hesitant to to draw those lines. I know, lines. so am I.
1: But, I, but just thinking
0: about what you just said. But I do think that on the whole women and girls are – empowered and encouraged and role modeled throughout their lives. These sorts of tools, you know, like I know I talk about journaling a lot, but it's just the first example that came to mind that is offered so much more to young girls as a tool Tool. and self-care and self-expression and learning, you know, who they are and um, managing their emotions. I don't often hear it offered as a tool for boys and that's a very binary way of looking at it mm. and clumsily so. Yeah. But I do think that girls are usually empowered to at least consider that stuff and, you know, their emotions are accessible Mm. and they're taught to be that way I don't believe that that's an innate thing I just believe that's the way society has kind of developed and I see it in our kids the things that boys are encouraged to do and the things that girls are encouraged to do are quite different and I think that's damaging because it closes entire parts of the conversation off to people Mm. no matter who they are or you know where they fall on the gender spectrum like there's There's things for you and there's things not for you and I think that's really unfair and it's costing people emotional um, literacy. So it's it's always interesting to me like when I talk to you about something that I've spent many years talking about or thinking about or reading about and you're like, I've never heard of that. Mm. That's not your fault. That's Mm. just the diet of information you're given over the course of a life is quite different
1: can i make a observation that may be completely unfair and very naive in that you know you're taking journaling mm-hmm. as a, an example like for girls mm. again very naive and stereotypical but that's inwardly focused so you think about like that as the psyche of like jotting down your ideas and like you're internalizing a lot of them whereas I think the movement for a lot of men and I say that as you know very base gender Mm -hmm. comparison uh is like circle work and like telling other people about your emotions talking to other people because they I think the stereotype is women will talk to other women about what's going sure. on yeah where i don't reckon that's true don't you I, I i don't know i i don't know but i'm just i'm just kind of guessing here mm-hmm. that the way that you know for men and for, for to do men's work is to open up and have real discussions with other men and talk about your problems and your mental health and all the rest of it
0: so i wonder then if going along that you know Following that line, if if young girls are encouraged to do that self knowledge work, they are then far more inclined and equipped to have conversations with friends that are informed. You know, they know what they're thinking because they have always had that. They've had like this internal process. So that that I think that maybe their self knowledge is.
1: More developed, yeah. More developed, more refined. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, you know, and I know talking to you about how you felt growing up versus how I felt growing up. Like you were never given tools to explore how you felt, or you know, it was always go and do something rather than stop and think, or stop and write, or stop and explore, or stop and you know. Yeah, and have that's a like education, like the yeah. system. So yes, yeah. I think that there probably is is a gendered aspect to this whole Mm. thing Uh, and maybe it could be opened up to everyone simply by changing the conversations around how we care for ourselves. I've got a note here that like one of the things that this article sort of um, really pushed was that the transition between stages in people's lives, in men's in particular, he's saying, um, the transitions are a, an opportunity to reflect on how each stage of life is the foundation for the next. So whatever we do in a previous stage and particularly the transition between the two, whatever we do there is preparing us for the next stage of life. So whatever seeds we sow, whatever work we do to the, to the soil, that's going to hold us in better or worse stead the next time around. Uh, sorry, not next time around. The next stage. So we're either. Set- I like next time around better. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> so it's either setting us up for stagnation and crises, because we're it's we're not um, examining and making changes appropriately, uh, or it's setting us up for growth and thriving. And I mention that because that struck me as self-care. So all of this stuff really is self-care in that we are doing things today to make tomorrow better. And that is self-care, I think. You know, the asking the questions, getting to know ourselves, learning how to reflect, to look back on, to assess, to move forward. That's all self-care. And I remember in the mental load conversation that we had a few months ago, I mentioned how Self-care and that very broad idea of self-care, not the commercialized version, feels like a whole other element to the mental load. And maybe that's why, like for me, maybe that's why. Because we can, like, again, girls, women can do that thinking and assessing and planning and, you know, um, redirecting and recalibrating. Um, they feel like they should. And when that's not being matched by people around them, that can be really heavy. Agreed. <laughs> I can't
1: help but agree with you with that. That's that's exactly, yeah, really well
0: put. Hmm, thank you. I think there there's something that's been that's been rattling around in my head since that that mental load conversation and that might be it because I'd never really thought about that sort of stuff as being self-care but I think it's actually like the important part of self-care and viewing that that that's something that I am going to think about a lot is viewing these transition periods in between seasons of life as an opportunity to you know feed the soil and prepare for what's next. Prepare for whatever harvest is next. Hmm. I don't know where to go from there.
1: I want no, I wanna support you in that endeavor. I want to um yeah I just want to do some more work on on me and because i feel like i've really i've been really drawn to this seasonal discussion mm. so i want to explore it more
0: and i think that like noticing that you're drawn to something that there's something relevant there there's
1: definitely something relevant there yeah that yeah. that's
0: the key that's all yeah. life needs to be kind of in you know in those self-reflection modes is like where do i feel there's like an energy there's something there there's something to explore there's something that's piqued my interest Let's, let's go down that path Mm. and I don't know, viewing it as because you are such a contrarian, like viewing it as an experiment or viewing it as an adventure or viewing it as like curiosity, like curious exploration might stop it from feeling so like expected or something. I think that's what you like to not be expected.
1: Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And I want to also use it to stop as much as possible my self sabotage of things. Mm. Yeah, not going to go into specific details okay. now, but cause that's another, <laughs> I guess that's another pod- podcast episode. But yeah, a tool to avoid yeah self sabotage. I think mm. is how I'm going to frame it up in my in my mind.
0: So we won't talk seasons, though. That's not that's not. Yeah. Yeah, seasons, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yep. Yeah, let's not do the reflection. So I think that's kind of it. I was going to reflect on, you know, the cyclical nature of work, but we sort of kind of We've touched, touched on, on that, that haven't anyway. We? Yeah. Yeah, and only because it's top of mind for me at the moment. This podcast is coming out on the Thursday um, and as I have done all year, I'll be taking a couple of weeks off posting over at the Tortoise while the kids are on school break and that has been my version of cyclical work, I suppose, this year. Which,
1: Seasonal work.
0: Yeah, and it has been. I kind of think about the four terms, the four school terms where I publish for 10 or 11 weeks at a time as like... Seasons. Seasons of writing, yeah. Oh, and I, this
1: is blowing my mind.
0: I do, and it's I like it, and it has felt very sustainable for me in a way that writing has not for a long time because it allows me to kind of have a focus each season mm. and write to that and know that there is a beginning and an end and, you know, then I have a transition period and then I move into the next one. So that that's all I was going to kind of reflect on. But um, all to say that for the regular readers of The Tortoise, Um, There will be a couple of weeks without posts. Um, But if you are not yet a subscriber to the tortoise, please feel free to come over, join the mailing list. Um, It's free to join and everyone gets a Thursday letter in their inbox uh, every week when I'm posting. And then there's also an option to become a paying subscriber and people who pay $5 Australian a month or $50 Australian a year get access to um, letters on a Sunday and then also I run um, a quarterly retreat on different topics. So I've done one on values, done one on establishing rhythms, and then just finishing up this Sunday on writing as self-care. So if any of those tickle your fancy, you can go and check them out.
1: It's the best way to not only support us but to support the show. It's the reason why we keep doing what we're doing Absolutely, is, is for those that um, – support us and and you can support us for as little as
0: five dollars a month
1: yeah is
0: australian five australian dollars a month yeah um and i know that you know belts are tight at the moment so other ways to support the work that we do is by sharing posts by sharing episodes telling your friends about it
1: reviewing the podcast on your favorite podcast platform
0: (laughs) that's a tongue twister Uh, and I do just want to say how much I appreciate everybody who listens, everyone who subscribes to The Tortoise, everyone who comes over and comments and, and shares. It is genuinely such a wonderful corner of the internet and I am so, so grateful to everyone who um, who is part of it. And that includes you, who is listening. So thank you. I think with that...
1: Well, this has been a, another one of my top five enlightened podcasts. Discussions. Okay.
0: I'm glad to be a part part of it.
1: Mental load, I think. uh, As I I don't know, like, it's been great just to discover this concept and to hopefully not going to preempt everything, but like embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. Just see
0: where it takes you, like, with curiosity, I suppose.
1: Yeah. I'll be back next episode as a Buddhist. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right. Until then, guys, take care.